0: who is over all and through all and in all.
1: Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need.
0: Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to have you here today. Uh, For guests, my name is Wayne. I'm part of the pastoral team, and I'm very glad you're with us, both here in the West Auditorium and also to those of you in the East Auditorium as well. I'd like to invite you to take a Bible, if you will, please, and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, if you don't own a Bible, you'll notice here in the West Auditorium, there's one in the pew rack in front of you. In the East Auditorium, there's some carts there, uh, some people moving around with them. We'd invite you to grab one of those Bibles It's on page 1776 if you're using one of those church Bibles. As a matter of fact, if you don't own a a Bible, I'd be thrilled if you'd take that home as our gift to you today, all right? And we're going to have some time together looking at Ephesians chapter 4. But before we get to that, I'd like to invite you to know... It's always interesting when people get tickled in church and they don't know what to do with it, isn't it? So I'd like to um, start by asking you to um, take a look at these photos on the screen behind me and uh, or on the sides and um, see if you can recognize some of these um, board games. All right? (laughs) Some of you are killing me here. (laughs) What's that from? (laughs) Chinese checkers. Why are you all laughing? Goodness gracious. Chinese checkers. You like the way I got dressed up for church, do you? Okay, we'll come to that. (laughs) We'll come to that, okay? So that's Chinese checkers. What's that from? Monopoly. Monopoly, Right, okay. If you get that card, what are you doing? And don't collect $200. Don't go past go, right? Okay. Um, What's the next one? Is... Snakes and Ladders. Chutes and ladders, okay? All right, in Australia we called it snakes and ladders. We have that game down there, okay? Candyland, if you're a guy, you don't acknowledge that you know that, but it is. (laughs) But you played that with, if you had a daughter, you played that with her somewhere along the line. And then this one is what? Pickup sticks. You know, I went to try and find a game of pickup sticks this week in any of the stores around town. Can't find it. How sad is that? Okay, all right, so Hobby Lobby, there you go, all right. So, do you know how to play pick-up sticks? All right, so what you do is you take all those colored sticks and you put them on, on a table and you let them fall apart, right there. And they, they, can you guys show us that photo again? The, and depending on which uh, stick it is, you get. You, you, the goal is to pull those sticks out. For those of you who are kids, you're going, what's with that? Okay, you pull sticks out without, you're trying to say, how can we pull, the various colors get different points and the black one was worth the most, remember that? You see it's all the way on the bottom, of, it always was. And you, the goal was to, to m- make changes to the, to the pile without the pile moving. And I thought of that this week when I was thinking about your life and my life because it describes who we are at times. A situation, if you will, opens up in front of us. You know, you start a new job, you begin a new relationship, you develop a, a deeper Christian spirituality. It's all there in front of you like, like a group of sticks sitting on the table and at, all at the same time it's perplexing and jumbled and triangulated and complicated and at the same time beautiful and compelling and intriguing. And you've got this task or this project and you go, okay, I don't know where to start. What ones do I pull out? What ones do I leave? How do I, how do I determine what priority is important? What should I change first? It's the same for church life as well, you may be aware, that one of my, one of my roles here is to help us as a congregation take a look at the overall nature of our, con- of our congregation's ministry and regularly say, okay, what needs to be pulled out? What needs to be left and enhanced and in what order? Today I would like us to look at Scripture together and see what does the Bible say about... The options of life that are in front of us, with each circumstance of life, what changes do we make that are God, God-driven, Holy Spirit-inspired, if you will? And after we kind of look at how you make those changes what those changes might be, they're going to have some implications for the church, First Christian Church, and for you as an individual. Uh, I want the reason I'm doing this is because. You know, the fall is coming, and with the fall, on the other side of um, Labor Day, there's always an influx of a lot of new people into the life of the church, and we're very glad for that. We're planning for that. But before we get to that, I thought it'd be helpful if we would go, as a congregation, the people who call us, we call ourselves First Christian Church right now today, what are the things that hold us together before we get to the fall? What are the, the, the values that are important to us? So, you know, we have four core values here at First Christian Church. We've been looking at them throughout the month of August. We believe, first of all, that we need to, first of all, first priority, we respond to Scripture. What does the Bible say about any matter that's in front of us? Secondly, in conjunction with Scripture, With scripture as our highest authority, then we ask, what does the Holy Spirit, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us as individuals and as a congregation? And then today, we're going to look at how do we embrace change as a church, and then next week, how do we build community? So with that in mind, let's read the same passage of scripture we've been working with um, to start with, and then we'll move on from there. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 says this, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. This is Ephesians 4, now beginning in verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And then beginning in verse 4 is the passage of Scripture that you got on cards a few weeks ago. As a matter of fact, we put them in the program again today. Can you pull that card out? I want you to take it home, and if you're into memory work at all, this would be a great thing to memorize, okay? There's a card there inside your program, and... uh, So we go, memory work, I I, I can't do that. Well, we're helping you out, we're helping you out here, okay? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4 says what? There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. What Ephesians chapter 4 says to us is what we've looked at in the past few weeks and where we're going again today, is that it talks about, it's written to an individual congregation, one guy, the Apostle Paul, writing from prison, is writing to one congregation at Ephesus, and he's saying, these are the things you need to know, and it's, it's about life together and unity within the story of a congregation. And over the last few weeks, we've reviewed this passage along with other verses from Scripture from this chapter. And, and we've learned, like for example, we learned last week that one of our goals of, as a congregation is found in verse 13. That the church is to work together until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In other words, we as a people are to work with each other within the context of unity And we're going to cause each other to grow up in Christ, to be mature. And if you think about it, maturity is the game of pick-up sticks all over again. You've got to determine what goes, what stays, and in what order. You can put it this way. Because there is one body... Because there is the work of the Holy Spirit, because of the call to maturity, Ephesians 4 gives us some very specific steps as to how to bring that all about and what kind of change we should make in the midst of that. Read with me, now beginning in verse 25. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, with the idea that since we have this business and this understanding that we are one body, that the Holy Spirit is working among us, that the, the Scriptures speak into our lives, and that we are people who will say, we're going to let that Scripture and the Holy Spirit guide us into greater maturity. Maturity means we have to change. How does that work? Well, in verse 25, we read this. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and don't give the devil a foothold Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ. God forgave you. Did you see at the very beginning of verse 25 it says put off something? Put off, in other words, change, make a change. Get rid of some old behaviors, and he will list them. Get rid of some old behaviors, if you will, that that don't fit you, that that aren't designed for your shape. if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, God is working in you, and, and it's time to put away some things that you used to do, and to put on some new things. As a matter of fact, it's found, it's found in verse 22. It says, put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Do that to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and put on a new self. Put something off, take it off, put on something new, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Some of you have been noticing my swell jacket that I'm wearing today. <laughs> you go, Wayne, why are you wearing that jacket? It's a little too big for you. Do you think? It's a size 58. I've never been a size 58. But I'm, apparently, this is if you're a size 58, this is what you wear. And fair enough if you do, but... When it doesn't fit, it looks stupid, doesn't it, right? For many of you in the room, for all of us in the room, we'd say, if we have made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we've grown, we've changed, or you put it this way, I'm in better shape than I used to be. I've slimmed down, I've done some dieting spiritually and I've figured some things out and I have a better spiritual appearance. Now, there is a past, of course. There are old habits and old ways of thinking there are old behaviors, old lifestyles, old worldviews. But do you know, friends, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, there is now a new reality. There is now a new look for, for you as God sees you and as others see you. As other people are looking at you and say, hey, look at Joe, look at Betsy, what's happened to them? He, he's different, she, she has a new approach. She's growing spiritually. What's with that? And some of you are going, Wayne, the jacket looks ugly. Well, you know what? So does non-Christian behavior when Christians are doing it. Friends, take off the old stuff. Get rid of the things that don't fit any longer. If you've been made new in Jesus Christ, you've been made new. You don't have to live with the old stuff anymore. Paul says, put off that. Put on the new attitudes. It's all about change. If you're part of the life of this church, you remember that we talk about change with some regularity around here, not only as individuals, but as a congregation. The people of First Christian Church embrace change corporately and individually. After all, you wouldn't want me as your pastor to say, well, at church, let's just keep doing things the way we've always done them. You wouldn't want me to say to you as an individual, well, it's okay. It's okay if you continue to mess up your life or relationships or career or finances or marriage or your neighborhood. Or It's okay if you continue to mess up your eternal destiny. Go ahead. It'll be all right. Keep wearing the old jacket. No. You expect me to expect better things out of you, don't you? You expect me to call you to better and new ways of thinking, to new life approaches, to new depths of Christian maturity and Christian spirituality, and that requires change. I know it's not easy, and at times it's painful. It's like buying a new pair of shoes, right? You buy a new pair of shoes and you go, you put them on, and you go, well, they look really good, but they don't fit quite right, because they're just, uh, I could wear my old shoes. I've kind of worn them in, right? And you go, I really like the way the old pair fit. But if you want to look sharp, what do you do? You put on the new pair of shoes and sure enough, within a couple days, you've worn them in and now suddenly you're looking really... Man, look at that dude's shoes. <laughs> look at that. Huh. And yet, why do we say, well, I'm just keep going to do... I'm going to keep doing the things I do. It's like wearing an old pair of shoes that are worn out and you've got to say, no, I've got to change. I've got to make some different... <laughs> I've got to embrace change. Now, we've done um, a, an exercise around here in the past about how we embrace change. Perhaps you remember it. As a matter of fact, I want you to stand up and see if you can do it. Those in the East Auditorium, come on. I want you to stand up right now. East Auditorium, we're relying on you to lead the charge here. Does anybody remember how we demonstrated we embraced change around here? All right. Do you remember? It means you have to get your arms out real wide and you're going gunna- Embracing change here means that you're going to kind of touch other people and it's going to be really weird. And what do you do? You embrace change, right? You embrace change, right? Okay. It's like we're going to take it in and I'm going to go. It's going to be different in the days ahead. You may be seated, all right? And some of you going, oh, I feel like... Some you going, I can't believe we just did that in church. I felt like I was in kindergarten. Well, I really wanted you to experience it today for this reason. You had to, in order, if you will, to demonstrate that, not only to me and to everybody else, but to your own self, you had to stand up, you had to move, you had to do something. It took some effort. Friends, if you want the status quo to remain the status quo, you can kind of lay down on the couch. But we don't need any spiritual couch potatoes here. We don't. We want people who are alive, who are engaged with God's work in their lives and who are growing spiritually and saying, you know what? This week, this going into the third, fourth week of, of, of August this year, this year I'm going to be different than I was last, last week. I'm, I'm, God's going to work in me. I'm going to become more mature. I'm taking off the old clothes. I'm putting on the new clothes. And to that end, then, can I, if that's how we understand change around here, can I tell you how that's going to impact us as a congregation and then as individuals? I want to say, first of all, to you as a church, congratulations. Your ministry to others is prompting more changes coming to our life together. Congratulations. Uh, you know, there are lots of churches that say we haven't changed in a long time. I want to go, well, that's really sad. That's really sad. But we change a lot around here because we say, how can we impact people's lives? And if we want people to know Jesus Christ, that has implications. We don't get to keep doing things the way we always have. Let me see if I can explain it this way. Last fall, we uh, stepped into a new understanding of managing our building's limited resources, the limited space we have when it comes to the number of people who attend here for worship. We built and we moved into the East Auditorium uh, in the 915 hour, this hour right now. And now many people attend there as part of their regular worship. And to those in the East Auditorium, those of us here in the West, we want to congratulate you for making that move on behalf of everybody. Because all those in the East Auditorium, you can't see it, but virtually almost every seat in this room is taken right now, which is great news, but, What does that mean for us as a congregation? Because frankly, I was in the East Auditorium just a few minutes ago, and it's pretty full in there too right now. Praise the Lord, right? Scary, but praise the Lord. So what does that mean for us as a congregation if we're going to embrace change? Well, we're in a time now when a similar move is going to be made where we're going to add another worship service to the lineup of the church, and that is during the 11 o'clock hour, Beginning the weekend of September 10th and 11th, we're going to add a worship service to the East Auditorium as well. We are out of space again. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, Among the reasons that we know we'll be out of space beginning the September 10th and 11th is because, well, you've heard in the past, I've brought to you a concern that we have as a congregation that um, across the country, Many teenagers, when they leave high school, tend to leave the church. Um, As a matter of fact, it's been put this way. They graduate from high school and they graduate from church. And church doesn't make a person spiritual, but it certainly helps. But in many cases, when they leave the church and graduate from the church, they're also leaving their faith behind when they go off to college. We put a group of people together, we said, we want you to look at this. Is this impacting our congregation? We actually sent them a number of times out to California where there was a consortium of congregations like ours coming together and saying, what is your research showing? And so they went out there a number of times. And uh, coming back from this national research, here's the best finding we can give to you as to how to help keep kids in the faith after they leave and go to college. It happens in the years prior to when they leave. And the number one component that brings, causes kids to stay in church when they go off to college is that in the last four to five years of life in high school and junior high, they're in adult worship, not teen worship. They're not separated. So for many years, our teenagers have been meeting at 11 o'clock or some hour thereof while the adults are in worship. The teens have had their own worship services, and we're going to shift that beginning the weekend of September 10th and 11th. Uh, their programming and their Individualized worship services are going to move to Sunday afternoons and Sunday evenings, and that's all good. But to say that we're going to invite 150 kids into the where are we going to put them? Right. So, um, and that's not even including the people who we know are coming because we're doing room for uh, not room for doubt, but um, finding your way back to God. I mean, we got we got some. So we're adding this extra worship service. We want to create room for guests. It's not just about our teenagers, but our whole community, and that requires more seats. See, we are a church, seriously friends, we are a church that embraces change for the sake of others. We, rem, may, may I remind you, we're still reaching to, reach to, to speak to 10% of our community in 10 years. We have eight years left on that mission. We've engaged other congregations in that endeavor, and starting on September 10th and 11th, uh, we're also with, with uh, 17 other congregations across the city. We're going to be starting this series called Find Your Way Back to God. And and, uh, they're looking to us for leadership in this regard. And uh, so it's really good that we're saying, okay, we're going to reach 10% of the community. And these other churches are joining us in that endeavor. And uh, they're all going to participate. And as you leave today, these yard signs will be available. Put one in your yard because here's what can happen. You'll have one in your yard, the Baptist will have one in their yard, the Methodists will have one in their yard and if you can get a bunch of people in your community to uh, be talking about this together, who knows what might happen in your neighborhood. You did love where you are and you've reached into the neighborhood, you've done your block parties and that sort of stuff, put it perpendicular to the road. The Baptist might put theirs this way, but we'll put our, we'll, we're the Christians, we're gonna be smart. The Methodists, they have their own methods, but nonetheless, I couldn't resist our Baptist friends are going to come after me now (laughs) they'll be at the doors as you leave All right. see here's the reality if that works and more people show up we're going to have to make changes again I would ask you if you look in your program today or frankly if you look on this I think it's in the seat you were sitting in in both auditoriums there's this card that looks like this Throughout the week, and th- this card will be a, a, a found in your seats again this coming week. Next weekend, I mean. We would ask you, in order to make this change, would you consider being part of a team, a crew that's going to say, we'll go to the worship in the East or the term during the 11 o'clock hour? Now, I know if you're a 9-15er, that feels weird, but I want you to think about it, okay? Just consider, we've got to, in order to get the, make this shift happen, we've got to have kind of, if you will, uh, some sort of crew that's going to make it happen. So we'll come back to you this this next weekend to see if you'd like to take a run at this. Have a chat, have some prayer, see if you might consider that, all right? Because here's, I've said it before, as a congregation, we will always choose mission over convenience. Always. That's who we are. We will always embrace change for the sake of God's vision in us versus our comfort. And we will always choose people over our personal space preferences in a particular pew. Mm -mm. We're not going to do that. The seats we sit in don't belong to us. This building doesn't belong to us. The people of God make up this church. This is the building we use. So how are we going to use this building most effectively? Is all this change easy? Of course not. But mission versus the status quo means we will grasp what God brings us always, even at great cost, and we will put off the old days, even if they're wonderful days. I mean, at some point, this coat looked really good on a fella, but we'll put it off and say it was lovely, but we'll put it off in order to take on some new days. So that's how change is coming to First Christian Church. But could I also remind you how it might come to you personally? How, how is God calling you to take a look at those sticks in front of you and begin to make changes? What changes are coming? How will you know which ones to take a look at? Well, in order to set the stage for that, I, I want to tell you a phenomenon that's taking place in Germany and Czechoslovakia of late. Perhaps you're familiar with the way in which the borders in Europe were drawn after World War II. Here's a look at them in terms of what they look like. It was divided between East and West. Basically, those in the East were part of the so-called communist bloc. At the end of World War II, the Allies all get, got together and said, we will create new borders. And you may remember that the Soviets got, a, got in charge of everything that is read on that map. And they built a fence between the East and the West, two differing forms of government, two different ways of how and which life was going to be done. And people were thus unable to travel back and forth. That fence was known as the iron, the iron curtain, right? It was literally guarded all the time. I crossed it many times. Listen, I crossed that iron curtain many times back in our younger years. It was to keep people from going back and forth. But when the wall began to fall down. When the Berlin Wall wall fell down in November of 1989 and in the years later, the line between the two forms of government began to disappear. In fact, the Czech Republic and Slovakia, along with Germany and um, Austria and a few other nations, formed an agreement called the Schengen Agreement. And that was that there will not be people borders between our nations any longer. And the Schengen Agreement said that people could flow back and forth across what eventually became, just if you will, an imaginary border. It was there, but there was no longer a fence there, and so people could live and move where they wanted to. And that's what people did, but deer did not. The Caspian Red Deer is indigenous to that area of Europe. Prior to World War II, it was one large herd that traveled back and forth between East and West, and it wasn't any big difficulty. But when the fence went up, that, st- that split the herd in two. And the Caspian deer, uh, for decades, lived, their relatives, if you will, lived on separate sides of the fence. The fence came down, but they never rejoined together. Why is that? Well, beginning in the late 1940s, all the deer that were born from 1940s on to 1989, when the Iron Curtain came down, they had never traveled back and forth. Deer lived for about 10 years. They know where to travel based on what their mother tells them in their first year of life. So in the first year of life, and that fence goes up, they know they they can't get over there. So for decades, generation after generation after generation of deer, they get stuck. And when the fence came down, they have no, if you will, corporate memory that they could go back and forth. They've now had many generations where they've been... So scientists have been tracking these deer now since 1989... (coughs) And would you believe that since 1989, only two deer have ever crossed what used to be the border? Why? Because they are used to old patterns. They've been taught those old patterns. And even though young deer are being born now, they are still being taught the old pattern because mom said, you don't go across that line where the fence used to be, even though she no longer remembers the fence. Hmm. The deer won't change even though there's complete freedom, complete freedom to seek out new lands, new partners, new bloodlines, new life spaces. That's not you, is it? That's not you. You with the freedom to do and take on new attitudes and new, new possibilities and new behaviors, you're not living like there's an offense. Well, you can't step across that, are you? Ephesians chapter 4 is challenging you to move into new places of freedom. Don't get stuck in bad places of behavior or attitudes that are really no longer there. Are you living behind the fence that Christ already tore down? Remember, Jesus' blood covers a multitude of sins, it covers all sins. And yet, why are you living? You're not living, are you, as if those sins are still in play? Are you living as if you're wearing old clothes? Hmm. what pick up sticks need to go first how do you make a decision what does scripture say look again passage of scripture already read it Ephesians chapter 4 verse 25 you must put off falsehood speak truthfully to your neighbor for we are all members of one body in your anger don't sin do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need we read out loud with me the next verses? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. You want to know what sticks to pick up first and say, I don't need those ones anymore? Here's a quick list if I could put, put these in play. Pick up sticks that you pull off first. Now, start with this one. Scripture says, Don't lie. Don't lie. It's good advice. Ask four young American swimmers about that, right? Secondly, approach moments of anger with measured reason. I understand we get anger, but what are we doing with that anger? Maybe you saw the story coming out of Florida this week about a guy by the name of Bob Patchett. Robert, 42 years of age, got in a road rage incident with a young man um, this past week, uh, seven o'clock in the morning. I mean, he was angry at seven o'clock in the morning. Got out of his pickup, went back to this guy who um, shot him, killed him. When the police arrived, they found this, the guy with the gun, his name was Durham. They found Durham leaning over Paget's body, trying to give him CPR to keep him alive. Paget died, 42 years of age. The police have said they're not going to charge Durham. He's not going to be arrested. They have no reason because of the way in which Padgett, the guy in front, responded to the guy behind. He's dead. The guy who shot him is not being charged. There's more more to the story, though. In 2001, Bob Padgett, the same guy that's dead today, was in another road rage incident in which he killed a guy. A guy named Timothy Gibbs, who was a grandfather. He was found guilty of road rage, a felony. was sentenced to prison. He spent 11 years in prison. He was released four years ago. And yet the irony is that again in another matter of road rage, this time he was the one who was shot and killed. I think he has a problem with anger. Timothy Gibbs, the guy who was killed back in 2001, his widow had this to say about Paget's death this week. She said, I know it's not the Christian thing to say, but it feels like poetic justice. It's a shame he didn't learn his lesson while in jail. I'm just glad that I don't have to worry about him or think about running into him somewhere. And as I said, as officials have reviewed the case, Durham, the guy with the gun this week, has not been arrested or charged. In Paget's case, It appears that his anger sent him both to prison and to his grave. Maybe if you're a person of anger it's time to take that old jacket off. Don't lie. Watch your anger. Paul says, don't steal. You Go to prison if you steal. Guard your tongue. It'll say things you don't mean. It'll... Or best, or say things that are sometimes best left unsaid. Guard your fingers on social media. It's the way in which Paul would say it today. Some things are better left unsaid. Things like bitterness and rage, anger, brawling, slander, and malice. Hmm. What did you say on Facebook this past week? Take those old clothes off. Put on some new clothes that represent new days, new opportunities, new life approaches, your willingness to embrace change. Those are the things to put off. And what do you put on? Paul says, be kind. Be kind. Let's pray together. God in heaven, I thank you that I get to be part of a congregation that embraces change. And sometimes, Lord, it's hard and it's difficult and it's weird and it's, well, it's never easy, Lord. But we will continue to do that for the sake of your kingdom, for the sake of others. Lord, I also pray for each of us as individuals. We have spaces in our lives, God, where, where, well, there are times when we're still wearing old clothes that don't really fit any longer. And it's stupid on our part. And yet for some reason or other we hang on to the old jackets and the old ill-fitting behaviors that really don't reflect who we are in you. You made us new people. Let us live there, God. Our prayer, God, is that we would this week get rid of the old behaviors and put, a new, put on new behaviors that start with kindness. Not some willy-nilly but a kindness that says, I'll speak new life into people. I'll say good things. I'll get rid of the bitterness and the rage. And I'll look for ways in which you use me, God. That's our prayer, God, for those of us who follow you. And then, Lord, for those here today who have not yet made a commitment to follow you, I pray that through the work of your Holy Spirit, You would enable them to simply say, God, forgive me. Cover me with all of your grace that's found in Jesus Christ. And then help me to start putting on some new clothes. Lord, we pray these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen.